Welcome to the Health Deli, your local stop for a fresh take on community health topics. Come on in, grab a number, and let the guys behind the counter, Mark, Ben, and Mike, tell you about today's specials. All right, welcome to the Health Deli. I'm your host today, Mark Young. I have with me today the whole gang. So I have Ben Pontefract. What up, what up? And Mike Klepser. Good day. Yeah, so our topic. We uh, have more on the gang, too. We got Andrew and Rylan I'm us. sorry. We do have a we microphone have this Rylan. time. Yay, oh, we get they, to participate. Woo! <laughs> so uh, say hello to the folks out there, which you already did. <laughs> hello, um, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Take so, the microphone. Hi, to my parents. Take, hi Mark's parents. Uh, yeah, Take all, the microphone all nine away. of our listeners. <laughs> yeah. uh, but before we get into the topic of the day, uh, I'd like to hand out some free samples in the uh, mm. Keeping with the Deli theme. So what have you guys been working on? That's a great question. I've been working on two episodes mainly. I want to talk about seasonal allergies. Like what are they? What's the best way to treat them? And I think I'm also going to do an episode. Mm. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm also going to do an episode on brand versus generic medication. So are there any real difference between them? We know that one's more expensive than the other, but is it worth that extra price? Good. Should be cool. And then, Mike, I'll tee you up and ask you, what episodes have you been working on? Oh, darn time. <laughs> Somebody talked to me. Uh, so I've been working on some stuff looking at um, what drives antibiotic use in the community uh, and what are things that patients can do to decrease their, their need for antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Also, because you, yahoos keep talking about drugs and money and all this other stuff, um, I did reach out to my brother, Ooh. and we're going to have a pharmacoeconomics uh, dude uh, on the podcast. Nice. And he's going to tell us how to fix the American healthcare system. Two uh, klepsers on the same episode? We might Ooh. have to have my mom sit between us. Mm. <laughs> yeah, That would actually be nice. We should have your mom on uh, to moderate between you all. <laughs> She's the only one that could keep you guys in line, I guarantee. Yeah. Uh, I've actually been working on some episodes, uh, quite a few. I got a bunch of ideas. One is this weird bodily functions, um, kind of explaining some of the, exactly some of those kind of functions and why our body does those things. I've been looking at one on men's health. Uh, Are we going to talk about my prostate again? We will. We'll be talking about it. Talking about everybody's prostate. (gasps) Mine's Um, mine's special. I'm sure it is. Um, And I, there was a listener who requested an episode on caffeine, kind of how it works. Is it bad for you? Is it good for you? I mean, it's probably the most used medication drug mm-hmm. uh, in the United States. So I thought it would be a good episode. They must have been a college student. It was. I'm calling it. <laughs> definitely. definitely. <laughs> how so. much caffeine before I die? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So all those, I think, all of the, your episodes, mine, I think they're going to make some good episodes for this season. Yeah, but not Mike's because you're looking not, at me when you said right. your episode. Yeah, yeah. not Mike's. Okay. Well, and, Andrew, Mike's what about you, what episode about, is going to be good, though. Mm-hmm. What about you guys over there? Anything that uh, you think Mark should be talking about besides farts? <laughs> or in I addition look, to I look forward farts? to hearing where they come from. Thanks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll have a lot of sound effects, you know, going out, uh, collecting a bunch of noises. Yeah, we've got to load it up. So when is Mike going to be gone? Uh, <laughs> maybe we should not have him on that episode. So today's topic, though, seasonal affective disorder or SAD. The yeah. big SAD. Yeah. Have yeah. you guys heard of it? I'm, I'm experiencing it right now. 
Actually, right. it's really nice out right now. I'm feeling no, good. No, I'm, I'm talking about being with you two. It makes me uh, really sad. The season three affective <laughs> disorder of the health deli. But to actually answer your question, Mark, yes. This is something that's incredibly common to talk about, I feel like, in younger generations. So my generation, for example, we talk about stuff like depression, anxiety, seasonal affective disorder all the time, which I think is different from older my, generations. My generation doesn't have emotions. <laughs> which it, it's probably right you know that's that is the what do you call it the the overarching thing is that younger generations generations of younger people mm-hmm. um do talk more about mental health and we no. our generation does not yeah i mean um, that's 100 percent, you know truthful it's like when mm-hmm. i was growing up we didn't talk about emotions you just sucked it up and did it mm-hmm. it's like don't don't make excuses yeah before we came on air we were talking about a song about like a rock and i was thinking <laughs> singing the bob Seeger song which is all about just suppressing your <laughs> your emotions just deal I'm with just it like a rock yeah. um, and i was talking about party like a rock by the shop boys yeah so which is a much better song much different right <laughs> no, well at least from better. a mental health perspective <laughs> perhaps not a better song though overall um, so yeah, so seasonal affective disorder is a type of depression that's related to the changes in the seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to part of the diagnosis is that it begins and ends at the same time every year. And typically, of course, associated with winter months, but not... So it's like when, you know, the students come back to school. Is that when you get your seasonal affective disorder? <laughs> well, not because of the students, <laughs> oh, okay. but it typically starts in the fall mm. and continues through the winter months, but not exclusively. So there is a subset of sad patients that are actually um, the other way. So, so that will happen during the summer months instead of the so winter months. So that could be you and I, because you and I don't like to get out in the sun. I don't like the sun. I, don't I would either. rather be yeah in the Cold, shade. go mm-hmm. some snowmobile and get out and... Right. Yeah. You know, you can always take clothes off if you're too, um, uh, or put clothes on, excuse me. You can always put clothes, excuse me. Uh, I should just, I should you can listen put before more I like on. support what you say. Yeah, yeah. You can always put uh, more clothes on if you're cold, but there's only so much you can take off without getting arrested. Don't ask me how I know. Hmm. <laughs> um, so next topic. Yeah, no. So, um, there, there, we're going to talk about the difference between the two and kind of why that might be important from a, from a pharmacology slash medication. Standpoint. Yeah. Because I've never really actually heard of seasonal affective disorder in the summer. I've never heard of it until I started reading this, but I think when we get into it, it'll make a little bit of sense. Okay. Um, now I must say that's a small subset. The vast majority of seasonal affective disorder is during the winter months. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, appears during that late fall and it's tied to not just the fact that it's fall, winter, and um, early spring, but to the fact that there is less light during that time. Mm-hmm. And it, so, and what I mean by that is Northern latitudes. So I don't know the exact latitude, but I want to say above like the 40th parallel. What state and, is that? So that would be like Northern is. Ohio kind of drawing a band across maybe like, um, Southern Oregon. Okay. And North of that. Okay. Interesting. Because the daylight hours are much shorter compared to some, you know, states closer to the equator. Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay. I've got a comment that I'm going to hold on to uh, for a little while because like some of those Scandinavian countries are the happiest darn places on earth. You're exactly right. Um, and I don't really have any thing to, to, to <laughs> counter that. Um, other than that, they may be more well adapted. So people who are indigenous to that area may be more adapted to that. And that's could be part of it. 
But I do want to say that um, another part of seasonal affective disorder is that symptoms will start out mild and become more severe as the season progresses and then a little bit less severe as the season wanes, which would make sense. Mm -hmm. But that is also a part of seasonal affective disorder. So if it gets worse during the the heart of winter um, and then a little bit better as spring, that starts to look more like seasonal affective disorder. So feeling listless or sad most of the day, nearly every day, Losing interest in activities, having uh, lower amounts of energy, feeling sluggish. So, you just so, described getting old. Right. But here's a couple that we're going to come back to in a little bit. Having problems with sleeping too much. So you're sleeping too much. Why is that a problem? <laughs> well, <I'm> just <laughs> You might have seasonal affective disorder. Or I like um, to sleep. <laughs> and experiencing carbohydrate cravings, overeating, and weight gain. I like okay. carbs. What's wrong with donuts and... And pasta and bread. And mm-hmm. Difficulty concentrating, feeling hopeless, worthless. What are, what are we talking about? Um, having <laughs> Mike, I think you have seasonal affective disorder or just depression. <laughs> yep. So, and the, those are uh, the oversleeping part um, is very important when we when we talk about differentiating mm-hmm. between other kinds of depression. So, one thing I also wanted to ask you about, Mark. So, I've heard people say like listless before in the past, but I don't really know what that means. Like listless? Yeah. That's just kind of, I, you know, maybe, yeah, Mike's going to look it no, up. No, we're going to have um, Andrew. We haven't asked him to look anything up this season, and he's feeling kind of worthless. Let's, let's give us uh, our. I, I do know what worthless means. <laughs> let's, uh, let's give him our, our, my definition is without direction. So without a, a clear kind of direction in life. So you're listless. thinking like listing, like a ship lists. Exactly. Listing. Like you're listing to the left or you're listing to the right. Mm-hmm. Um, Stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. Right. We must list to the left. We must list to the right. <laughs> so, but if you're listless, you're just kind of floating out there in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, like drifting. Uh, the definition on Google says lacking energy or enthusiasm. I have a, mm. some listless students this semester. Ooh, not Rylin, though. Not right. <laughs> Good. Um, so it looks a little bit like normal. I shouldn't say normal. It looks like major depressive disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so these symptoms are not very um, easy to differentiate between seasonal affective versus major depressive disorder. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Now, mm-hmm. the difference in the the spring and summer version of seasonal affective disorder, or su- sometimes called summer depression, is that instead of this hypersomnia where they're sleeping a lot, they have insomnia, hmm. okay? But they still have um, the anxiety, they have increased irritability, they still have the depressed mood, the listless, listless feeling, but they also have poor appetite. Hmm. So a little bit more of a, a manic versus um, a kind of depressive or a little bit more positive versus negative symptoms. By positive, you mean like activating symptoms versus like deactivating exactly. symptoms. Not exactly. like, yay, thumbs up symptoms. Right. Yeah, no, you're not, okay. you're not feeling positive. But this just reminds me of that Lana Del Rey song. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what that is. What the heck? Why? No, just quit talking. It's called Summertime Sadness. Well, it, it's a thing. Yeah, so there's, so SAD differentiates itself from major um, depressive disorder. And then there's even a major depressive disorder diagnosis with seasonal pattern, oh. which is also different than seasonal affective disorder. Okay, so that's more just you have depression all the time and it just gets worse during 
some of these seasons? Exactly. So seasonal affective disorder, the idea is that you would not meet the definition of being depressed during those Mm -hmm. normally summer months. Um, But then because of the seasoning of the changes, you fall all the way um, into that state where you would be considered depressed. Interesting. And that state would be Ohio. (laughs) Ohio? That's where I came from. (laughs) Only northern Ohio. No, No, all of Ohio makes me depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we talked about the um, hypersomnia, we talked about the carbohydrate um, Mm -hmm. craving. Now, I will say, if you get way into this like I did when I was researching for this episode, there is some debate whether or not they truly are different. Um, But the idea... um, is that in major depressive disorder with a seasonal with a seasonal pattern, you would have more insomnia than hypersomnia, and you'd have a poorer appetite versus this carbohydrate craving. Mm-hmm. So it looks a little bit more like summertime seasonal affective disorder. Interesting. So they do look different from a from a symptoms um, standpoint. Does this just brings up one thing that I always think about with mental health, which is. It's so hard to properly diagnose somebody, right? It's like, does your depression, is it year round or is it just in the winter months? Are you technically depressed or are you just feeling sad? Like anxiety is a similar kind of thing. Like there's such a hodgepodge of like, what does a person actually have, which is important to determine how do we treat them, right? Yeah, all of these symptoms look very similar. And a lot of times, um, the, a lot of times uh, psychiatrists won't get caught up necessarily on the diagnosis. Mm. Um, they'll focus on the treatment. And if that worked, then they'll kind of look back in time and say, well, it looked like it was seasonal affective disorder or it looked like it was major oh. depressive disorder. So Interesting. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So because the treatments are not incredibly different um, mm-hmm. except for one factor, which we'll get into. When do we could use shock therapy? <laughs> uh, we I don't really not look at it. <laughs> we don't really use that all that much anymore. But. No. Uh, if I remember way back, though, from learning about shock therapy, it's one, it of, the most of, it's one of the most effective it's ways to effective. treat depression. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, though, there are some side effects associated with it. <laughs> a lot of side effects. Yeah, I'm not advocating the use of shock therapy. Well, I think anyone. that we should do a placebo-controlled trial here. Then I'll hook both you guys up, and I will not hook myself up, and we'll mm. see who's... Yeah, I wonder how they I wonder how they set up that trial. Let's hook up some electricity <laughs> to Mike. Do you feel better? <laughs> how about no, now? How no. about now? <laughs> If I say yes, will you stop? Huh? We'll try it. Okay, yeah. You feel better? I'm not going to shock you anymore. It must huh. work. I. We are not experts in electric shock therapy. The health no, delhi does not all. recommend. Not at all. Um, so <laughs> moving on, mm-hmm. there is actually a test or a questionnaire for seasonal affective disorder. So if one of our listeners, some of our listeners are out there thinking like, maybe, maybe I am experiencing seasonal affective disorder. Let me grab the test. Um, but it's called the Seasonal Patterns Assessment Questionnaire. It's been out since like, I want to say the late 1970s. So it's been around a long time. Okay. Well, and not really that long. That's a long time. <laughs> it's not, no, no, it's really not that long. That was before I was born. That's many before Ben was born, before I was born. Probably. So <laughs> that but feels old to us. Just what, before Rylan, way before Rylan was born. Uh-oh. Uh oh. But this is different than the depression test, right? There's a different screening test for that. And there's many different, the PHQ four, PHQ nine, geriatric depression scale. There's a ton of different um, scales for overall depression. Um, This would look, it can be used in two ways. It can be used with someone who has tested positive for depression to see if they are a seasonal um, Mm. depressive disorder patient, or um, it can be used as a standalone test. 
Um, there is a lot of debate about the validity of this test. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say that, but it is routinely used in practice. So, I mean, number one question, um, are, is your depression seasonal? Um, if so, what is your seasonal pattern? So, well, isn't that kind of like, like that. biasing the whole darn thing? Because if you're trying <laughs> yeah. to, if you're trying to diagnose this, you just ask, "Do you have this?" If, kind of, and that's <laughs> so and that's it's, one a, it's a one issues. question survey. No, no, there's a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> I that, mean, what are they going to ask after that? <laughs> so it actually asks about sleep length. Um, in in this seasonal pattern, do you have more sleep, uh, less sleep? Um, is it a slight amount, moderate amount? Um, social activity? Do you have you know more social activity, less social activity? Asks about mood, weight gain, appetite, energy level. Um, so one thing I'm noticing here, Mark, and maybe this is why this test is so debatable, a lot of that is subjective information, right? Very simple. So All I'm, of it. Right. So I'm asking the patient, how do you feel in these situations? Which it's good to get that information, but that's not something I can objectively look at and be like, yes, you definitely have less energy now versus then it's a lot of like what do i feel like in the moment maybe they're just enough. lazy <laughs> and see maybe that's why i'm not good at this I, again that empathy thing we talked about i'm, mm. I'm lacking yeah, it does like, sound oh, like maybe you'd be a yeah. good psychotherapist oh yeah nope, 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 i feel nope, nope. i feel like i have less energy in the winter it's because you don't want to go out and shovel the driveway right. get up off your butt kids and, and that makes that's mm. another reason why it's so difficult to distinguish seasonal effective versus major depressive disorder because you have to ask questions like, well, does it happen seasonally? Well, yeah, it kind of does happen seasonally. Oh, okay. And then as you go down that wormhole. Yeah. And, and the other thing about depression, and I don't know if this is true about seasonal affective disorder, but that usually affects your memory too. Like mm -hmm. you just aren't thinking about these unpleasant feelings you're having. So it's like, I don't know if I feel better in the summer because I feel terrible right now. Yeah. You know, I feel terrible right now. <laughs> and that's why you don't remember the summer very much, Mike. I'm trying not to remember this episode. Yeah. But yeah, super interesting. Yeah, so from a from a kind of a, a neuromessenger, neurotransmitter uh, perspective, some of those causes of seasonal affective You're disorder about stuff in our brain, like the right. the chemistry and the anatomy, right? So we used in my generation, we call it a chemical imbalance, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, do they still? They don't really use. I don't that know term if they're allowed anymore. to say that anymore. Yeah, I don't know. think Chemicals. so. We usually tell, talk about like serotonin and like that right. kind of stuff, and right? So um, how this is maybe a little bit different than major depressive disorder, and a lot of this is debatable. It's kind of emerging research, um, a lot of theoretical kind of stuff, mm -hmm. is that. Your biological clock is your circadian rhythm, right? So that's your wake, um, sleep cycle, all of that mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> is messed up during the winter because the days become shorter, the nights become longer, and it and it messes up your internal clock. Right. And that's because that oftentimes has to do with like the sunlight, right? Your body's exposure to sunlight. You're like, okay, I'm supposed to be awake at this period of time. And like, right. And then, you know, there's a more, uh, there's more nighttime hours. So mm -hmm. your body kind of thinks it should be sleeping longer because there's more darkness, mm -hmm. kind of like Mark, Mike's heart. Lots, <laughs> lots of darkness. It's lots a very dark, exclusively dark, dark place. It's opaque. Right. So yeah. we see a drop in serotonin during this time and that can affect mood. It can also affect wakefulness and sleeping. Um, reduced exposure to sunlight um, can is is a proven um, cause of the uh, decreasing levels of serotonin. Hmm. So, um, so mine must be zero. 
<laughs> right. Well, and we'll get into that with treatment of seasonal affective disorder. And the other thing that is really interesting, at least to me, maybe I'm the only person, is <laughs> that seasonal affective disorder appears as though there's also another component with melatonin. Hmm. So we know melatonin affects our sleep cycle. Right. Um, but it appears like it also has a part in seasonal affective disorder. Okay. It's starting to sound a lot like a big player in this is sleep and like how much your body thinks it needs to sleep versus it can sleep. I'm not an expert in this topic at all, but from what you're saying, it sounds like that's a big part. You're right. You're right. I want to explore that because I think you've hit the nail on the head Woo. a little bit. Um, but before we get into that, let's take a minute and pause for the healthy minute. Love it. Let's pause for the healthy minute brought to you by the winery at Young Farms. Today's healthy minute is... Get your travel vaccinations. Many of us travel abroad in the winter season to escape the cold. Traveling exposes you to different environments and health risks that may not be present in your home country. Diseases such as hepatitis A and B, typhoid, and yellow fever are more common outside the United States and are preventable through appropriate vaccinations, reducing the risk of illness during and after your travels. Visit the CDC's Traveler's Health website or schedule a consultation with your health care provider well in advance of your journey to ensure that you are adequately vaccinated, allowing you to explore the world without the worry of contracting a vaccine-preventable illness. That was the Healthy Minute, brought to you by The Winery at Young Farms in Macosta, Michigan. Please visit www.thewineryatyoungfarms for more information. Now, back to the health. Boom, chicka, boom, healthy, 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 healthy. Excellent as always, Mark. Thank no, you. no, it Thank wasn't. You. He screwed up the the bat, the end of that the first time ever. I think I wanted I to think you were a professional, and you just like I wanted to say www.thehealthdeli.com. Oh, okay, well, yeah, I hope the people from Young Farms don't uh, get mad. I at hope me. they don't drop us. They might. <laughs> I always worry about it. Um, so where were we? We were talking about yeah, we're talking about you know who would potentially be at risk for yes. seasonal affective disorder. Um, so seasonal affective disorder is diagnosed more often in women than in men, um, and occurs more frequently in younger than older adults. But like with the um, data on on these uh, mental conditions, mental health disorders, a lot of times that's biased due to social norms. Mm. So men less likely to talk about our uh, mental health. Same thing with older generations as we just talked about. Exactly. Nothing to talk about here. (laughs) So I do think it's underdiagnosed overall. Um, If you look at the United States, I'm confident that seasonal affective disorder is more prevalent than it is diagnosed. Yeah. And that's super interesting because like you guys said, Back in the day, people didn't talk about this and also wasn't really diagnosed, right? If you came in saying you're feeling sad, like you mentioned, Mike, it was kind of just like, all right, you just need to suck it up and kind of get on with See, your life. Back in the day that we just used to call it the winter blahs and you just yeah. dealt with it. Winter blues. Yeah. Sure. Just kept on going. We didn't have to put some fancy name fancy to word it. on it. Yeah, well, with some ICD diagnosis thingamabob so somebody gets you know paid for it. That's true. <laughs> well, luckily, now we are doing no. more research, have hopefully more information we to do. improve our quality of life. Because there are treatment options, which we'll get into here in a little bit. Yeah, how much do them but cost me? The acronym's been around for a long time. However, it's only gained, I would say, widespread popularity maybe the last 10 years i don't know i mean that's when i started hearing more of it but i don't know if that's because you're, you're only you're only 10 what. right now so that's yeah yeah i'm um, 12 <laughs> some other some other uh risk I, factors I'd, I'd like to think this all started with bob newhart 
Bob Newhart. He was a great guy. But how did this start? Yeah, he, with Bob he played Newhart? a psychiatrist in the seventies on the Newhart had, show. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. He so every, everybody started thinking about all these psyche things. Yeah, I don't be. think so. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Bob Saget on uh, Full House? Full House. He was a psychiatrist too. Was he? Yeah. All right, Bob. And that's more Ben's generation. I've, I did watch Full House as a kid. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you have a family history, that's a risk factor. Um, so is that just a family history of seasonal affective disorder yes. or a, of just depression? Well, of seasonal affective disorder. Okay. But having major depression or bipolar disorder um, can also be a risk factor. And we see that a lot with mental illness is that there isn't usually just simply one diagnosis. Um, so just because you're bipolar doesn't mean you couldn't also experience um, seasonal affective disorder as well. Hmm. Um, living far from the equator is also a risk factor. Of course, you know, we talked, don't quote me on the 40th, but I want to say it's the 40th parallel, northern Ohio hmm. area where this starts to become more of a problem. So why did I move to Michigan? <laughs> where where are you from originally? Ohio. Oh, <laughs> cool. Southern Ohio, mid-Ohio? Um, so I'm from like the Akron area. So it's kind of like northeast, but it's not okay. up not towards way up the top. There. Nah. Yeah. Uh, a low level of vitamin D is also a risk factor. Um, and that's because of northern latitudes. You're not getting enough sunlight, you know. And sunlight helps into. kind of convert vitamin D to the active exactly. form and that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yep. There was an interesting study I read in researching this episode uh, that was done out of Hawaii, which near the equator. Mm. Um, but I think it was done out of Hawaii because they were noticing a fair number of students moving from um, Hawaii to colleges in uh, northern United States, going to college there. Well, they usually, you know, location-wise, Oregon, Washington State, you know, a lot of Hawaiians kind of go in that area. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, well, that makes sense, though. Mm -hmm. And so they did a study about these students that were moving to these northern latitudes and seeing if they had seasonal affective disorder at rates higher than students who grew up in what they call non-seasonal hometowns. So they they broke it between mm-hmm. seasonal hometowns, which are above that 40th parallel, and then people who are below that. Interesting. So people who are used to that kind of environment versus people who are not, and they're both in the environment now. Yeah, and there, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some things you simply can't control for. And one is the distance traveled. Um, they brought it up in the study as a, as a limitation because they're farther from home, so they have less contact with peers, those kinds of things. Fair. Uh, but, you know, the study had had its shortcomings, but the, the takeaway point was there was a significant difference. So people who were moving from the, you know, near the equator to northern latitudes were much more likely to experience seasonal affective disorder. Hmm. For whatever reason. Okay. And that was statistically significant, was, I'm guessing. Yeah. So okay. it was an interesting study. Yeah. A lot more research could be done. This is not the end all be all, but it was interesting that there was some, um, you know, some uh, causality associated there. So, yeah. Some you know, correlation. Correlation is what I meant to say. Yep. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So treatment. Okay. We're in the United States, right? All we care about is the treatment. We don't care about what it is. Just treat it. However much it costs. No, just suck it up and deal with it. We yeah. got two sides of the spectrum. <laughs> so the mainstay against which all other treatments are are generally compared to in seasonal affective disorder is psychotherapy or talk therapy, where you talk with a psychiatrist or a counselor um, and work through your seasonal affective disorder in that regard. Hmm. Most of the research is comparing whatever 
you know, an intervention that is against psychotherapy. It's kind of the gold standard. Okay. And so what kind of stuff are we talking about when like you talk to that psychologist, psychiatrist? You know, I didn't really like look that. into it, but just mm-hmm. deeper exploration of your feelings, um, mm-hmm. deeper exploration uh, and recognizing, validating your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, psychotherapy always has um, a non-pharmacologic or potentially pharmacologic component as well. Maybe increasing exercise, maybe you know, writing down thoughts, maybe, you know, creating action plans, things like that. Okay. So cool. Yeah. The, the, um, one thing though, that's most associated with seasonal affective disorder from a treatment perspective is light therapy. Have you guys ever heard of that? I've heard of it. I don't know that much about it. I know there's like fancy lamps that you use or something. Yes. So I, I, let's do a little quiz. Do you think those lamps are FDA approved? No, zero percent chance. Zero. Yeah. So they are not. <laughs> However, there is a lot of data to substantiate their effectiveness. Hmm. So, so um, is does it have to be like a specific kind of lamp? Then I'm guessing yes. The lights we have here in the Health Deli studios are not probably <laughs> not. And not only is it the type of lamp, it's also how you use the lamp. Hmm. So, um, not not all lamps. Um, most I shouldn't even say not all. Most of the lamps sold to treat seasonal affective disorder are not producing enough light or they're producing dangerous UV radiation. Mm. So you really need to buy a high quality um, lamp. And the, 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 what you should look for is 10,000 lux. Now, some lamps will put out less than that, like 7,500, 5,000 lux. Mm-hmm. The reason that 10,000 lux is important is because it can reduce the amount of time you have to spend in front of the lamp. Okay. So when you look at the lamp, it needs to be 30 minutes per day at 10,000 lux or an hour per day at 5,000 lux. And so all I can do is just stand there and let it shine on me for half an hour that's so what i have to do the other thing is the ten thousand lux is at a measured distance from the lamp well, that's what so i was going to ask do i just have to be in the same room with this no, light no or? that's a big misnomer so a lot of lamps are they even sell just light bulbs that you screw into your normal light and that's supposed to help a seasonal affective disorder not at all effective hmm. um so you need the to be within that um ten thousand lux zone which is generally sometimes as little as eight inches from the light what so you need to have your face squarely in front of the light for the 30 minutes absorbing that, that light at 10,000 lux. So do they have like bigger lights? Yes. In that case, do I have to like not be wearing clothes? So no. Like, no. So do you need to put sunglasses on or if you put the sunglasses on, would that diminish the effect? Or, or you just have or, to close so your eyes? Great idea. At it? You can just close your eyes. And the reason is another thing to look for with these lights is that they do not produce the harmful UV radiation. So if you see someone that says, hey, I've been, um, you know, using light therapy and it's working great and they have this amazing tan, they are using a light <laughs> that emits UV radiation. That so sounds scary. The the high quality lights that um, people have success with emit essentially no UV radiation. So you don't have a, a sunburn with it. So um, I'm all of a sudden looking on Amazon. Yes. And I pulled up like a whole bunch of different lights uh, all of them say 15,000 lux, mm-hmm. 10,000 lux, you know, whatever. And they range in price from uh, $20 to $170. Mm-hmm. So is expensive better? I'm not going to say expensive is always better. I'm not going to say that. But a high quality lamp will be at least $150. So mm-hmm. from my research, um, you're spending at least $150. 
good news is a lot of insurance companies, even though these are not FDA approved, will cover um, light therapy lamps. Ah, huh, interesting. So, so, so if my house is too dark and I just need some new light fixtures, I can charge. Nope. No, nope. <laughs> not gonna work. Okay. Now another reason for that ten thousand lux in that thirty minutes. So ten thousand lux for thirty minutes every mm-hmm. single day is that it needs to be done. You need a high intensity amount of light at the right time. So it needs to be done before eight a.m. and it needs to be timed roughly around the same time every single day. Hmm. And what they've noticed with that is it kind of resets that sleep cycle. So the idea is that you are simulating dawn. Okay. And so do I have to do this for like a week for the entirety of the season? The entirety of the season. And most people that experience benefit using uh, light therapy will begin that preemptively. Mm. So when the seasons start to change before they're expre- and, you know, experiencing symptoms, they will start their light therapy. Okay. That. I'm sorry, I have so many comments. That sounds so inconvenient. So I have to, every morning, wake up early, spend half an hour just standing in front of my lamp. I love the fact that he thinks 8 a.m. is early. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Jeez, this generation. That's not what I said. (laughs) Does does color temperature matter? No, actually, great question. Color temperature does not necessarily matter. Uh, Most of the lamps I looked at were in the 5,000 Kelvin range, which is like a white light. But um, I did actually read a study where they used a 3500, which is more of like a warm light. Um, they didn't notice any difference. Okay. So, yeah, because we, we have different color temperatures in video production where indoor light is around 3200 Kelvin and mm-hmm. sunlight at full sun is about 5600 mm-hmm. Kelvin. Yeah, I read um, a recommendation from a uh, psychiatrist for light therapy and, and their recommendation is whatever is comfortable to you. The mm. whiter like higher Kelvin numbers may be off-putting to some people because it's more of a bright kind of intense. Yeah, it's kind of harsh. Right, like the sun. Yeah. So like so what, sun. what is my what is my Kelvin? I mean, what is my aura? Your aura is about two. Huh. <laughs> That's better than I thought. <laughs> what's, what's the That's Kelvin like a of candle. a black hole? <laughs> Zero. Um, so moving on, though. So the phototherapy has been proven um, roughly equal to the effectiveness of psychotherapy. So it, it does potentially work. It doesn't work for everyone, mm-hmm. um, but it does have some benefit. For as far as medications, the only FDA-approved medication for seasonal affective disorder is bupropion XL. It's also approved for a major depressive disorder. Mm. Um, it's been proven effective. Um, and again, not more effective than psychotherapy or phototherapy, but equal. So there hasn't been a study yet that have offers superiority of any of these treatments. Okay. And so you said we can use bupropion, which is a common depression medication. Can mm-hmm. I use some of those other depression medications like so, sertraline uh, or whatever? Yeah, you're you're right in my brain right now. So I looked at I looked at <laughs> see if there was any actual studies. So your gut is saying yes, mm-hmm. right? Because they work similarly. Right. Why wouldn't they? The only one I could see that was actually studied was fluoxetine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did it did show um, non-inferiority to light therapy. So there is an idea that probably, you know, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors work. Okay, but um, the bupropion is one that has the most information that's got the most. It's got the most information, and generally that's the go-to pharmacology for someone for seasonal affective disorder. Okay, so are there any other medications, or is that pretty much it? 
those were the only two available in the United States. Now, this is where it gets a little bit interesting from a pharmacology standpoint. Okay. <laughs> so there is a med in Europe right now. Um, it's not yet available in the U.S. called aglomelatine. And it's a melatonin receptor mixed, melatonin receptor agonist and serotonin receptor blocker. Um, so it works on both serotonin and melatonin. Okay. And there hasn't been any approval to treat SAD yet, but there are tons of case reports of um, patients that have had remarkable success treating uh, seasonal affective disorder with this medication. Now, hmm. with that said, much work has to be done. So we, mm. I'm not claiming that this is a, a magic cure for seasonal affective disorder at all. But when you put all the pieces together, it does make a little bit of sense. So if it's affecting melatonin, it's affecting serotonin, um, for those people who have true seasonal affective disorders, it could be a viable option. And I know we didn't talk about this that much beforehand, but some people really have serious sequelae because of this, right? So it can be somewhat debilitating to folks. And so there is a need actually to oh, yeah. do something about I it. I mean, as serious as death, um, as serious as you possibly can be. So the rates of suicide in people experiencing seasonal affective disorder are okay. higher than the normal population. So, so okay. you know, having effective treatments is, is going to be yes. really key. And then, you know, the one thing that, you know, jumps to my mind then, you know, are the different treatment modalities using the light along with an antidepressant, do you get better effect? Not been really studied. Mm. Um, so there really isn't a great clinical trial yet to say that, you know, light therapy in addition to is better than one alone. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple other uh, treatment options. One, Mike's favorite, exercise. Not happening. Um, is it like a certain amount of exercise? Well, there is, and I'm not going to get way into that in the interest of time. Mm. But exercise recently, there was a, a large study that came out in the, in the popular media um, that it's just as efficacious as medications for the treatment for the tr treatment of depression. So mm. it's just as good as meds, exercise is. Um, but it has a CV benefit. However, cardiovascular, cardiovascular right. benefit, however, as Thank a you, lower rate of compliance. Makes sense. Yeah. People are more likely to take meds than exercise. And makes sense, right? It's difficult sticking to an exercise regimen. I'm sure we've all yeah. experienced that. See, but the thing you said is, you know, as good as, as good as, and when I hear that kind of stuff, it immediately makes me think, you know, relatively small, you know, studies, yeah, not right. good design. And so it's tough to tease things out mm -hmm. uh, with these. And so. Now, a little bit of firsthand, I have noticed. So in the summer, I am very active, um, working on the farm, doing stuff, moving all the time. Um, and in the fall, I love to hunt, hmm. um, which to me looks like sitting in one spot and not moving <laughs> for hours and hours and hours um, on end. And one time I actually went to my primary care physician and he did the normal questionnaire and he said, you know, it sounds like you may have some depressive symptoms. And I said, yeah, you know, I think I do. Mm -hmm. And I talked to him about that and he said, tell me, you know, about your life, yada, yada, yada. And he said, let and me get this. And he started crying. No, he did. <laughs> and, he, and he said, let me get this right. You're moving all the time, you know, nine months out of the year. And then there's this one time where you simply stop moving and you don't exercise. You don't move mm -hmm. for hours on end. Maybe you should start exercising in the winter. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I should. Huge improvement. So I started riding my uh, my bike in the my mm -hmm. inside bike and it made a big difference. Well, smart only, only case report. Um, <laughs> another treatment that has been proposed is vitamin D, 
And a lot of people actually take vitamin D, which I'm not going to say is a bad idea because it's great for your bone health. Mm -hmm. It does not help with seasonal affective disorder. Uh, so the vitamin D doesn't look like it plays really any role in a seasonal affective disorder. Yes, you notice decreased levels of vitamin D, but that really doesn't. All right, so we're, we're getting the, the sign here that it's time to wrap things up. Yeah. So what are some takeaways for this? So, I mean, it's normal to have days when you feel down. But if you feel down for days and days at a time and you can't get motivated, you can't do those things you want to do, you're sleeping more than normal and you're eating more than normal, there's a chance that that could be seasonal affective disorder. And if you think that's the case, probably better to follow up with your primary care physician. Or it could be depression or a variety of other things. So, it yeah. does, you know, again, don't try to self-diagnose a lot of no, these no. things and, you know, talk to your health professional. For yeah, sure. True. Talking about light therapy, is there a place in here for virtual reality headsets to help with this? Ooh. So, you know, my gut on that is probably not because they don't have enough surface area. Okay. So the 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 what about a hollow absorbed hmm. potentially <laughs> definitely potentially for a holiday. Okay, you Trekkie, need, you need that surface area of your face to like absorb. And that. you've got a big surface area. I got a lot of extra face <laughs> above my eyebrows. Huh. <laughs> All right. On that note, from the Health Deli, let's sign off. Until next time. Thanks for stopping by the Health Deli to sample some of our wares. We're open 24-7 on Facebook and Twitter at The Health Deli or visit thehealthdeli.com to send us a question or find any of our locations. Please come again. We will be regularly stocking the shelves with fresh content and new wellness specials. As always, we want to give a special thank you to Andrew Tingley and the crew at Ferris State University's television and digital media production program. Until next time, so long from The Health Deli, where the topics are tasty the takes are fresh, and the discussion is free. I love my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Extra face above my I, eyebrows. You need a t-shirt that. that says that. I love my extra face. I love my eyebrows. Above my eyebrows. Is what oh, I, I said. thought you said, I love. I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> I love my eyebrows. <laughs> Either way, it's it's still great. Above still my great. eyebrows, I love, love my, my eyebrows. eyebrows. <laughs> it's all about the eyebrows. Okay, let's take a vote. Who actually thought you said I love my eyebrows? <laughs> no, you're the only one who heard Yikes. that, Mike. <laughs>